shit. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today, you might be like wondering, why does your voice sound ever so slightly sweeter? Well, it's because, uh, well, first of all, my cat's not being too much of an asshole. He will be in a second because I can hear him chirping. But it's also because we have a lovely little mic boom with us today. Or it could be that I've put on my best voice for one of my best, uh, one of the best dudes I've met this year, a guy that I consider a very good friend. Uh, a really good copyright on his way up, the one and only B-Hop as I know him, Brennan Hopkins. Brennan, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so pumped to be here with you. Man, I'm glad to have you on here. For those that don't know, Brennan has one of the most weirdest fucking accents ever, and that's saying something from a guy that's been told many a time for the last 12 years, <laughs> you have a weird fucking accent. I know I do. He has a weird one because I can't, you're not from Australia. You live in Australia. Yeah. But you sound Australian slash American, even though you were born in the, you, you grew up in the States. Yeah. I grew up in the South too. So like really twang, but then I've just been destined for destined for accent confusion since I lived in South America when I was 19. And then this the fate was really sealed. So I don't have my own accent. I'm just a, a conglomeration of all the people that I've interacted with. Yeah, as you do. That's me, basically. <laughs> but yeah, so before we begin, as always, just a quick reminder to everyone that is listening, please rate, review, subscribe, and share this show and this podcast if you really enjoy it. Also, this episode is sponsored by adultmarcy.com. As always, please go there and check out what we have going for you. Also, this episode is sponsored by brennanwhopkins.com or brennanwhopkins as we like to call him .com it's his website it's really good for emails good to get to know who he is which you'll find out more of right now and I've only realized his website has not free pizza which I'm kind of like what the shit dude why is it not free pizza <laughs> yeah that's, that's just version. my little uh, tabby there it's pretty it's pretty engaging hey I, yeah, it really is because you want to click. You're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> that's a by the way, just right off the bat, that is a great copywriting rule for the people looking at it. How to do that properly? So let's walk through that, my friend. What is it that made you want to put that as a tab in the corner? Uh, well, actually, and if you'll see even on the pop up, um, I haven't put in a bunch of work on it, but pop ups are a necessary evil, yeah. and I know that everyone hates them. So I figured I might as well incorporate that into my pop-up um, and because, and I was thinking about what do I really wish that I could give people when they rocked up to my page? I wish I could give them free pizza, but I can't actually do that. Um, so you can the next so best thing, your brain. Which <laughs> well, then I was just like, that would be very curiosity invoking to say not free pizza, which is accurate. And that, there we are. Very much agree. I mean, it's one of my favorite things about you is your quirky sense of humor always makes me laugh. And it's one of the things, oh, that keeps, it's one of the things that I love about our friendship. So for the people out there, um, so Brent and I actually met, and you guys would notice this with a few other people over the last couple of weeks. We actually met through John Benson's Copywriting Academy or Copy Pro rather, as we like to call it. Um, yeah. So Copy Pro is excellent. You guys will hear about it as the show comes up. John's going to be back on the show at some point to talk about it because, um, 
well, why the fuck wouldn't I do that? And that's just a dumb idea. I love the goddamn software and he's one of my best friends and I love him. So of course I'm going to have him on. Anyway, so we met very much like Bogdan and Derek and Craig and everyone else. Um, we all met on that and we got together and really became friends. And I can't remember what point it was, but you and I just really became really good friends. I think it was the point where I was going through so many ridiculous things. You were there yeah. for me, which was amazing. So I thank you for that. But it oh, was yeah. the case of uh, you were there for me, but then also you were like, could you like give me a closed loop, please? You get, you've left me on pins and needles for weeks. What's going on? <laughs> That's what I remember that exactly. Yeah, you kept making these like ominous Facebook posts. But they weren't ominous. They were like, if you knew what was going on, you knew what was going on. But like, if you didn't, they were ominous to you. <laughs> so that was me and we were becoming friends. Yeah, and we would just have the copy pro trade, copy pro training and be direct messaging one another all stupid time. shit yeah all the like, time. <laughs> just the three of us sending each other animation you know what i hope john never reads the chat filters of what comes up in private messages yeah because if he ever did he's like what the fuck was i doing with these guys yeah i did learn that the host got those after the fact i feel like that would have been great that came out like months into COVID too. I remember seeing a report or something where it was like, FYI, everyone using Zoom, the host can't get a copy of all the transcripts. But they and don't like, get well, the private messages. They don't get private messages between you and uh, between okay. two different users. They don't get that now. So, okay. But they do get it if it's uh, inside the actual chat, which let's be honest, we can all blame Scott, uh, Scott Sullivan Bell, for occasionally derailing everyone with just like a little comment, we see it. I start giggling because I'm a loud mouth. And then it just gets even worse. And Brennan, poor, poor Brennan, used to show up to these calls at like 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> sat in his laundry Bloody air. Sat in his laundry room. And just being like, hey guys, wake. Yeah, even now, we are... I am once again in the laundry room taking this call. People don't know that, that, but how big is your laundry this... room? Because I can see it in the reflection. It looks huge. Oh no, that's the living room actually. Oh, so okay. it's just all I glass. Also... Yeah, I wish that'd be so cool, dude. Um, yeah, this is where all the magic, all the copywriting magic, currently happens from the laundry room, basically. You know what? You should totally buy a domain called Laundromat Copywriter and <laughs> just see what. Yeah. It's like, I there cannot copy, I, what was it? I clean up your copy, make it like stainless and professional and sparkling, ready to be professionally made and taken uh, see, uh, sincerely. I also take in your sincerely. dirty copy. Yeah, I, take, I also take in your dirty copy and make it clean. <laughs> That's what like, I, yeah, I would go the angle that I take your stinky copy, copy and make it smell all fresh amazing. and clean. Amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, you know what? I can't watch. Uh, I think I have to put a ban on myself from watching mafia movies for a while. Cause Probably. like, I, I really got into what, so uh, a book I've been reading is um, the memoir of Gianni Russo. Like it's called Hollywood Godfather. Like, did you ever watch the Godfather movie? I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have, you, you know what? It's really weird. I went for a really long time in my life thinking I never have to ask this question again. It's a classic. You'd be surprised how many people haven't seen The Godfather. I'm like, how are we friends? It's like, oh, no, oh, I mean, I literally just watched it like two and a half years ago. Well, yeah, I get that. But then again, you had a very different upbringing. I'm talking like these people. <laughs> yeah, that have a very it's like, like, 
yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll touch on that because there are some really powerful lessons in that. But one of the things yeah, I okay. was going to say was like, uh, so Carlo Rizzi, do you remember him? He was the guy that got Sonny killed. He was no, uh, Don no, Cole. I couldn't even tell you the name. I was, I think I was working. I just ah, had it on the background. So we were traveling. Was... Um, and my wife was in Iceland and I was house sitting in Switzerland without her for a few days before she got there. So I just went on like the ultimate man binge and like for 24 hours a day, I just had any freaking movie that I wanted right on in the background. <laughs> yeah, like the Arnie hour, like the Arnie part of the day. But no, I was going to say, so Carlo Rizzi was, um, he played Don Corleone's, uh, son-in-law in fact the wedding scene at the opening of the movie is his wedding to tally shire don corleone's daughter yeah uh, connie but the reason i bring him up is i didn't realize carlo uh, carlo rizzi aka uh, real name is johnny luca uh not luca johnny russo that dude had one of the most insane lives like oh really knew, like he was banging marilyn monroe for like five years as a teenager from like 18 from like 16 to 21 he was sleeping with her on occasion every time they met and they were like really oh, good crap. friends like he well, was clearly then, they were well he was also like they she was uh she turned to him more like a confidant at times so she would tell him things and he'd oh, always wow. be there for that for her even though he was never in the mob he was associated with mob boss frank costello was like Costello kind of took him in as like his son, his own son. Wow. And it's like, this dude had like one hell of a crazy life all the way to the point where he was threatened to be killed by Pablo Escobar. And the only thing that saved him was Escobar loves the Godfather. I was like, how did you not tell me that you were this guy? He's my, it's my favorite movie. I'm so sorry. Here's something for like your pain. Here's for, here's some clothes. Uh, please Are come down. Yeah. Like literally because like, uh, Russo shot one of Escobar's, um, envoys to uh las vegas to set the cocaine trade there and uh he basically like this this guy had slashed his date with a uh broken uh champagne bottle across the eyes and shit so obviously johnny's that's his club and he's like fuck you i'm gonna yeah. happen turns the guy around they get into a bit of a fight uh he cuts russo across like the chin so he needs 88 stitches later on but he ends up putting one in his head, two in his chest, and another two in his head, and kills him. Turns out, like, he's related to Escobar, and there's also some, uh, some hearsay that John Gotti was the one that set up the meeting for them, so, like, uh, Russo could get killed, because he didn't really like Russo all that much anyway. So, it, it, I, I really got into it. But anyway, I digress. There's a lot of, like, rules in there. But kind of turning around rules and family and on and all the other fun stuff, I want to talk about what it was growing up for you. Cause like you grew up in a very unique way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, so first of all, I'm from the South of the U S which is pretty distinct culturally, even within America. Um, but I also grew up in a very religious home, um, which I'm fine with that. I'm still ascribed to the same beliefs that I had growing up. Obviously I've grown and ad adapted um, mm -hmm. but I'm very proud of my, my faith and what I believe, but that's not really necessarily the point of what I'm talking about. I was also homeschooled. Um, apparently when I was four years old, I guess I told my mom, I wanted to be a homeschooled. And since we were part of a religious family, she kind of took that as a little bit of a divine sign, explored the potential and 
there I was, the little extrovert asking to be locked at home, not knowing what was coming out of my mouth at such a young age. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my upbringing. And then I didn't rebel by any means, but basically as soon as I turned 18, I kind of never looked back. I like went to school in Florida, then in South America, and then was studying abroad and then eventually ended up traveling quite a bit and ultimately moving to Australia. So it's one, it's a big pendulum swing. Really is. But like you've really lived, like you've done more in a short space of time than most people do in a really long time. Now I'm curious though, with like copywriting, um, because I love getting into people's backstories and stuff like that, but I think every podcast does that. And I love doing that from time to time, but you know me. I'm very specific mm-hmm. about what I want to know. So I'm going to lead you mm-hmm. down a little bit of a way. What was it around copywriting that drew you in? Like, I, I, I know you've told me once before, but I don't think you share this very often when you tell people how and why you got into it. Yeah, okay. So, well, the, the biggest thing was kind of necessity. I was stuck in a dead-end job. Um, you know, I had two bachelor's degrees, and I was working in a call center. Wow. Um, so I, at that point I had, my wife and I had aspirations and goals and we weren't really employable because there's kind of a job crisis in general for educated, well, just in general in the States. And so I had this thought, which was if I can get paid to make money from my computer, that's infinitely better than taking being stuck taking phone calls you know so it started with the google search um and then i just found out about this thing called copywriting and my mind was blown and i was immediately attached because it's quite funny because in college i was always the kind of creative driver for any group projects yeah you were the idea man yeah, essentially. Yeah. And I had, it's so crazy because I look back and this has got to be like seven or eight years ago. And I remember telling Amber, who would become my wife later, like, I wish I could get paid for my ideas. Yeah. And then I found out about copywriting, which isn't just that, but in comparison to taking phone calls all day. <laughs> and answering eight all day, it is exactly out. that. Yeah. yeah, it is exactly that. And so I was hooked immediately. Um, and I would say within about six weeks, I had started getting some gigs. And I didn't know what I was doing, really. Um, but I started making money. And I was like, is this the rest of my is this my future? Basically, <laughs> I kind of had that thought. And then that's actually this is pretty cool time because this month is actually four years. Um, towards the end of this month will be four years since I graduated that little upward profile and submitted some things. That's incredible. Uh, four years in July, by the way, just to give you guys a heads up. on. Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, tech, so the end of July, I think I got my first gig like the last week of July or something is when I got my first paid gig. Fun little weird fact about me that a lot of people don't know. Uh, I got Chase a day before my 24th birthday. So it was like September 29th that he was, uh, I got, I got him. But his actual Uh birthday is at the end of July. He is like the last week of July is when he's born. Oh, wow. Yeah. So great things are born in the end of July. So that I know. 
life-changing joy-giving things happen yes. in July. at the end of July. Boom. So I'm curious about one thing because like you spend a fuckload of time on Upwork more than I could ever stomach and I really oh, don't yeah. get why because like in my head okay and this is what I mean so I'm leading down where I want you guys to follow me with this. So Brendan spent a lot of time at Upwork, which I don't agree with. I think if you're starting out Upwork, maybe three weeks, get a couple of gigs under you, and then you know spread your wings and leave that fucking nest. It's not exactly the best place for long-term success. That's my opinion. Um, you did something very unique, because in those hours of toil, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about interviewing you today. I was like, Brendan spent fucking hours, and I mean hours upon hours, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, on Upwork, way longer than he should have been, by a lot. But he picked up an incredible wide variety of different clients, which gave you what it gave me. Because remember, I've spent the last 12 years yeah. in over 400 markets. The reason that uh, I think you said this, you blessed me with this very lovely comp uh, comment and compliment, uh, it was, how do I know that I'm certain when I create something? Like when I'm writing, how am I certain it's going to work out? Because I think you said, I speak with absolute certainty when I'm creating copy. And I don't, I don't yeah. it, but you do. Um, you had the same experience, not with the certainty thing, but with a vast array of uh, knowledge. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about some of the stuff that you picked up that works universally and some of the things that you found that were just really niche. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, it, it is at this point, like, I've done substantial work for over 30 different types of stores or brands um, type over the time. And I've been like on the back end, not just like, um, you know, sending something. A lot of I'm pretty, a lot of my role has been pretty integral like to what what the the client has been doing so um i'd have to say the overarching thing and i just actually made a facebook post about this uh yesterday i think it was is like the the inherentness of how um people are the same kind of regardless of what type of niche that they're in and so if I'm going to, to break that down a little bit, it's at the end of the day, humans. Be a few basic type of triggers when it comes down to it that are going to really move the person. And so by working in such a wide range of different niches, I guess, I kind of got to see the, the type, I, I got to see those come out as far as like the, the triggers and then learned specifically how to trigger them based on the specific niche. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, like selling, people are still people. Um, they still have the same hopes, dreams, and desires. The thing is, um, it's up to us kind of as the copywriters and marketers or whatever role that we're in to connect the dots for them because they might not do that immediately. Yeah. So 
Go on. I was just going to say, so if it's like a weight loss offer, I mean, you can say things to make it more compelling, but the offer in and of itself is inherently kind of compelling because people that want to lose weight know that they want to lose weight and they know that, that that's something that's going to impact their life. Massive. So yeah, so you don't necessarily, you don't have to convince them of that. However, if you're selling something, somebody something that doesn't have a huge life benefit or a huge ramification, well, you're going to have to tease out a little bit how whatever you're selling is related to their experience and the desire that they may have. And you might have to actually piece that together for them. And once the bridge is there, then they'll cross it. I agree. It's basically leading them across the bridge. One of the things I was going to say um, that you said, and just like jumping off that point, I'm trying to remember what it was. People are all, all inherently the same. That was it. Yeah. So you got to realize that what you're doing as a copywriter, and I think you would agree because you, you gave me the idea to articulate it this way. Mm-hmm. Every person has the same desires, needs, wants, and you know, whatever it is to varying degrees. Like, yeah. like that, that's the reason why Maslow has this hierarchy of human needs is because they, they, mm-hmm. they're, you, they're universally accepted by everyone. Mm-hmm. The thing is, your job as a copywriter, your job is to design the vehicle for their mind to realize that you can help them. Essentially, yeah. what you're doing is you're designing the vehicle, putting them in the vehicle, driving through the storyline to get to the store that is your life-changing miracle cure that you can sell them. Mm-hmm. essentially one of the other ways I like to look at this because I'm one of those people that randomly extrapolates his thoughts in a very strange way. When you're building this vehicle at the very start of the first word on your sales letter or the first word on your landing page and you're building up that rapport and relationship, essentially you're driving them along and every email, every sales letter, every bit of content that you drop is essentially a news ad. Like it's, it's a, it's an ad that comes up on their radio station. And it convinces yeah. them to move the story forward. So mm-hmm. if you really want to get effective at this, understand how to write old school short stories. Like look at um, War of the Worlds or look at um, actually a really good short story writing course for this would be, uh, or even just a study. Did you ever watch that Shia LaBeouf um, videos? Like running for your life from Shia LaBeouf? Like that whole thing. Do you remember it at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they did the voice for that, it was like old school radio presenter voice. Mm-hmm. Imagine that voice when you're writing copy or writing ads yeah. or writing anything to your audience. You're mm-hmm. kind of that story time mode. Yeah. And it changes the world the way that you do things. In fact, LinkedIn and, excuse me, and Forbes recently both came out and said, storytelling is the biggest key between the two, uh, between the two differences. Now, I want to jump off of that and kind of look at it this way because you also uh you don't just write for ecom you actually write for so many different marketplaces as well like info products and stuff like that what has mm-hmm. been the biggest difference that you found between say someone selling coaching someone selling a course and someone selling a um an ecom product like what are the biggest three differences that separate those three lanes yeah well is is i got the kind of tying back to what i was saying is first of all the life impact is going to be different and so you're marketing different based on the level of impact or the perceived impact um and then so that's that's a big thing um if i'm selling a t-shirt um 
in using words to do that, then I'm selling like, I'm not really even selling the t-shirt. I'm selling all the experiences and the I'm selling life to them and then show them how the t-shirt fits into that. <laughs> like the t-shirt isn't um, the bringer of joy. It's a participant in the joy. Um, or it might bring hope or excitement for this one specific moment, but it's, it's a lot more routine. Whereas like if I am selling kind of a, a, a mastermind course, that's going to teach people how to make more money or to make money. Well, that's a game changer for them because this could mean the difference between them, um, you know, being able to feed their family or not. And also the investment's going to be a lot higher. So there's going to be way different types of reservations that we're going to have to speak to. Um, like the going back, if I'm selling the t-shirt, like if it's a low price point, you don't have to really convince people. You don't have to dissuade them or kind of hush their concerns because it's a low, it's a low investment. Um, you might have to convince them to spend the money, but you don't have to like, convince them that it's going to be a worthwhile purchase. Whereas with a higher or more impactful thing that has a bigger price tag, there's going to be more reservations. So you have to spend more time speaking directly to those and kind of calming those concerns or, or fears and allowing them to like actually trust that you have their best interests in mind. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does make a lot more sense. So kind of coming off of that, I'm very curious to have, because I've been watching your content lately, you've really been um, changing the way that you actually do your, your content. I, I really can't put my finger on what it was that changed it, but your content has become so much more engaging over the last couple of months. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Because like, this is a guy that never had, like, you were on no one's copywriting radar six months ago, mm -hmm. and now you're on everyone's copywriting radar. So yeah, I am kind of proud of my ability um, to be able to do that. But yeah, and um, that ties in really to the upward days and things like that. But um, it all does start somewhere. Like I didn't actually just become friends with like a bunch of people all at once, but I made a few friends and then all of a sudden the doors kind of started opening. Um, but basically, I decided that I was going to be my, I was going to do be a combination of like myself um, online on social media, like who I am as a person, and then also showcase and try and provide any sort of insight from what I can, what I've learned without expectation. And so kind of just trying to serve and put others do what I can to contribute to other people's success. Um, but then I've also, as far as the connections thing, like I just have chosen to spend like a lot of the time that I have during the day to trying to cultivate those sorts of relationships. Um, you know, I am not currently getting paid for 40 plus hours of work a week, but I spend 40 plus hours a week, on my work, you know, and that's, um, I think that's kind of, if anyone that is not necessarily where they're at, odds are, if you don't have a lot of client work, you have time. And so you should be able to use that. You should leverage that 
for the benefit of other people. And yeah. so, um, and then I've recently learned through, which I've already kind of, this, this would tie back, I would say a little bit into my own origin story, but I'm highly, I'm very perceptive. Um, and I didn't realize that that was distinct necessarily to me. I knew I was good at it, but I didn't know that it was kind of, I didn't know that I was actually really good at it in comparison to the average person. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to kind of leverage that to engage with people um, in, in a, a unique way. And realistically, like a lot of things, people, people love random thoughtful gifts and messages. They and do. so I've just started doing that. There's actually, if we're going to uh, talk about my faith at all, there's actually a proverb that talks about oh, how giving gifts. It, it just, it talks about like many are the friends of him who gives, who like gives gifts or something like that. And from, there's been a lot of like friendships that have been solidified because I've gone out of my way to figure out some 10 to $20 price point item that is specific to that person that just shows them that they mean something or I've put together some sort of silly Photoshop thing that took me like 10 minutes. That's based off of a conversation that we had. Um, so that's, that's kind of the friend things, but really as far as the other content is I just started sharing all the stuff that I've been learning. Um, I did a crap job basically of having any sort of online presence, which is why I was like on Upwork for so long. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, you didn't so, you didn't connect with any copywriters at all. I didn't. I literally like I didn't have like any copywriter friends. I would actively reject them for my first few years. I am which so that, glad I did not add you because I would feel so rejected by those. <laughs> I don't know. I think we would have become became friends, but like I and I don't know how much of this we want to get into. But part of that's just like priorities and everyone's journey. Yeah. You know, um, I could be farther along as far as like success wise within my copywriting journey right now, but I've also, I visited like 16, 17, 18 countries over the past like couple of years. My wife and I moved to Australia. Um, I've maintained a lot of healthy life outside of my work. My marriage is strong, like all of these types of things. And those were, those were always like a high priority to me. And then it wasn't until we finally landed here in a space that we wanted to be in that I was like, okay, it's time to like give this copywriter thing a real run for its money. I guess I had just been doing it to pay the bills. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually really good though, because like, this is something that I think a lot of people listening to this need to take into account. A lot of us are workaholics. Like I am an actual Mm -hmm. workaholic and we all know this. I have a terrible disease where I like doing my, like, it's not, I like doing my job. I just have to do my job every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I feel weird without it. So, because I've done it for so long, but you've held like a really good balance between like, your relationship, mm-hmm. as you said, your faith, your work, and everything else in between. And you've done such a stellar job of it. So I commend you on that one for sure. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. My question to you is for the people that are out there, because I can't comment on this, because again, I don't do this. I do take time off. I take weekends off. But um, it took me a long time to get there. 
So my mm-hmm. question to you is, what do you do uh, to ensure that you have time off? Or is it just because, you know, uh, your missus basically will beat the crap out of you otherwise? Because I assume I she, mean, she, she would. She looks like she no, could. She is, she is a very strong persuader. Yeah, So I'm quite lucky. I mean, if anyone is single and they're wondering, well, just find a strong, independent partner and they will probably um, help you get your stuff in order. Because to be honest, I'm very, I'm pretty obsessive as well when it comes to a lot of my goals and such. So um, I think I would... To be honest, the biggest struggle that I probably had have had as kind of an entrepreneur has been coming into the game with more strategic, like set hours and expectations for for myself, you know, and seeing that there are people that haven't done it. But um, ultimately, just you don't have to look very far to see the kind of stories of people that are a bit down the line from us and just how they've they've lost a lot of things and they've burned bridges and to me um i was never in this to become king of the world yeah i mean if i can become king of an island in the process like that'll be awesome i would love that don't get me wrong but like that was never my number one goal um i had a goal outside of work and so that's helped me that's helped me stay on track for sure Um, but then I've also found and that keeping more strategic or set hours also helps me be intentional about what I do. I would agree. So what's that? I'm sorry. I, I agree with you entirely. That is a very interesting way and very unique way of looking at it because a lot of people don't like, I know I didn't for a long time. Um, and it burned me. You know, I hit a creative yeah. uh, burnout because I couldn't take any time off. There you go. Wow. And I'm also a pretty big, I'm a pretty big believer in the habits you a lot longer than you think you will. And so when we as entrepreneurs like work the 60 hour work week or whatever, I think that we're fooling ourselves that we think that one day we'll be able to just stop working 60 hours um, because we've built that as a habit. Um, And so I I know it's true because I've been taking off days here and there more regularly as my client work has kind of leveled out. And it's so hard. I'm getting better, but it's still so hard even for me to unplug on like what is normally a work day. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably find their identity more in their work a bit more than they'd like to admit. Yeah. And so when we are, you know, when, when we're reducing our, our weekly commitment by so much, like that's a chunk of, who we are, of our identity, of our value that we're basically relinquishing. And a lot of people, uh, myself included, will really kick and scream against that. Whereas it's kind of like the earlier that you can start having better boundaries and being a bit disciplined, the better off you'll be in the long run. Because as you level up, 
you're not going to be tempted to work more. You'll just be grateful because if anything, you'll actually feel the ability to work less because the, you've got, you know, the bills are paid. Yeah. And in fact, I'd say having office hours is one of the greatest things. Yes. The guy that is not willing to sleep and the guy that is willing to run through like 30 or 40 clients in a single month will kick your ass. They will get much further ahead than you much mm -hmm. quicker. Mm -hmm. But key warning, look at your goals. Their goals might be to be the greatest that they can be. And they're, look, they're yeah. on a whole different path. Don't compare yourself to your path. And if your path is, mm -hmm. I just want to pay the bills and I want to live an easy life. I mean, our very good mutual friend, Jay White, in my opinion, has it down best. Him and Ben Settle. Like, I'd say him yeah. and Ben Settle have probably got the easiest copy. No, I'd say Ben more so has say the easiest copywriting life ever. And I know this because I've interviewed Ben twice. I've, kn I've known Ben for 12 years, um, yeah. for nearly 12 years. I've interviewed him twice. I know his habits. Ben mm -hmm. literally loves being bored. It's his favorite thing in the world to do is, what, what are you doing with your day? Nothing. Are you writing copy? No. What are you doing? Taking my dog for a walk. And then what? Read a comic book. Write some more of my zombie novel. Go for a walk. Go see my dad. Go fishing. You know, he does like a, like a billion... like a British person. Yeah, Ben just does whatever the fuck <laughs> he feels like, which is excellent. And like, yeah. for me, I'm very... For, that's not the same place I want to go because on one hand, I do want to have that easier life kind of happens kind of thing. But at the yeah. same time, I do know I want to have my name engraved in the Mount Rushmore copywriting because yeah. I know I've done some incredible shit along the way. I just need mm -hmm. to talk about it more because I don't, because I don't know why. Um, yeah. And everyone's listening is like, yes, I, we know. We've, we've, you've said this to us like a billion times. You know <laughs> you're doing more of it. We know you're awesome, Adam. We know. Could you no. just tell it's some new people? Yeah, tell some more people why you're amazing. <laughs> like, tell us some new stories, asshole. I have plenty. Anyway, um, including the ones where I prank myself, as you know. I know, that's D so good. I was just thinking about that today, actually. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. I'll share it with you okay. guys how much of an idiot I can be. But it also <laughs> gives me a real good edge. But what I'm saying is that once you put in those boundaries early on, as you level up and as you level out, you'll find you have more life than you yeah. have work. And honestly, mm -hmm. that's the best thing. Because one of the things that... Um, I was very sad about was the fact that I didn't spend most of my twenties like other people in their twenties traveling the world and seeing life as an experience. Whereas yeah. for me, I've rededicated that between my thirties and my forties, the next decade of my life, the moment I can travel because, you know, flights have to open up because of the world's current position and where it is. But the moment I can fly again, my goodness, I'm going to be traveling everywhere. I'm going to be like, yeah. I, I literally want to get to the point where I'm leaving the UK once a week to go on a little trip somewhere in Europe for a weekend. That is where I want my That'd life awesome. to be. That, that, that is exactly how easy it is because who knows? I might find a place and go, I actually like this country a little bit better. I'm going to move here now. Yeah. Because that's what mm -hmm. um, But before we jump into any ridiculousness, I will tell that story and the shenanigans at the very end, I promise. Okay. One of my questions that I would love to ask you, however, because you travel quite a bit and you know your things. Um, if you were to recommend five books, fiction or nonfiction, completely up to you, that yeah. impacted your life, what books would they be and why would you recommend them? Wow, okay. Um, so the first, the... This is such a, I don't, I don't even know exactly. This how is how you catch them with their pants down, by the way. Just catch them yeah, with their pants down. Yeah, because I don't, I've just like, I've read so many things, but 
I'm trying to think about like what has been. So the first thing that it comes to mind was recommended by kind of a local friend mentor. And it's a book called Built to Sell. Great book. And it's Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You by John Warlow. I don't know how to say his name. Um, and this book was really instrumental for me as I was kind of pivoting in my career about, a, you know, a little over a year ago. Um, I got connected with a local digital, digital marketer. He's managed to build like an, an eight-figure agency, which is incredible. You know, it's really awesome. Um, and he asked me this question, like, do I want to be an artist or do I want to be a businessman? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, you know. Um, well, explain the difference, Lex. I'm curious about this because I do consider myself an artist. Yeah, certainly. I would say that you're not an artist. I'd say that you're a businessman. But I'd essentially, the, two. the difference, that it, it, and it's not saying you're not one or the other, but it's yeah. how you operate, how you operate inherently with your business is if you're an artist, you do it pretty much exclusively for self-expression and, and, and your, you yeah and you only work with people that 100 percent align or get behind your expression which is awesome and it's very authentic my brother is an artist he's actually a musician That's he's amazing. a he's a writer he does he does really great stuff at heart like you can tell you know it's, it's amazing. These people go off and create some pretty amazing things. However, business, you know, as far as making money from that, whatever skill is tends to be very hit or miss because you're kind of at the mercy of whoever really resonates with you. And then if you get lucky and happen to, to make it big, that's yeah. kind of, that's all you got. And then whereas a business person like is in it to make money, um, and so for me, like I, when I said, when I was working in the call center and I'm like, if I could do anything, <laughs> you know, like the fact that I get to use creativity at all in my job is incredibly fulfilling to me, but creativity is like a very, is a fraction of what I actually do day in and day out. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many other aspects. Um, but the book is basically, uh, shows is kind of a narrative that talks about how to, um, it, it's a narrative that, that talks about the difference between building something that's a sellable asset or something that's a hundred percent dependent on you to be able to function. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs like, ultimately end up creating a business that doesn't have a lot of value apart from them being plugged in all the time. Right. Um, so anyways, that was one of them. I'm currently going through the book Psycho, Psycho Cybernetics and that's been hugely impactful for me um, currently at this point. And I'm not even all the way through it yet. And it's been, yeah, it's been kind of mind blowing. Um, 
let me think about some of the other well the, while you're doing that i was yeah, going to sorry. Say quickly going back to the whole artist and business person type thing. yeah 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 you can actually combine the two properly and the reason i say this is because i'm an artist at heart with my artwork like you've seen some of my artwork that's just for me mm -hmm. i don't sell any of that i don't really show it to anyone unless they ask or they're a friend it's just me right yeah but my work work is there. And I think, honestly, you walk the line in the two ways as well. And the reason I say this is because um, there is a copywriter who I'm not going to name. He's one of my friends. I love him to pieces. Um, and I think I had one. I'm, I think he's going to be on the show just before this show comes out. Uh, but he's in a business where he's selling stuff specifically just to make a profit. Like, it mm -hmm. is not in line with his values. There's no, like, core oh, message. Wow. It's just, like, 100%, this is a money grab. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's working. Like I gotta hand it to you guys. Marketing ability is fucking amazing. I'm like, you know, hats off to you from a marketer's perspective. Yeah, of course. Me, yeah, you, you know, put me in that position, and I wouldn't be able to do it because internally mm -hmm. I don't have the same value drive. So that's what I mean. The biggest difference between like business and artistry, um, you can have both. You can have both exist yeah. in the same mind. So for the people out there, like I'm one or the other, you can be both. It's fine. I had no idea you had a little tattoo on your arm though. Yeah, people can't see this, but Adel and I are on the Zoom call right now recording this. And it's a, I have a little bow and arrow on my wrist, but yeah. it actually makes an X. And Amber has an arrow that forms an O Aww. on a wrist. So we have a little couple tattoo. Yeah. Oh, that's very sweet. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, you know, we're Sick in love with stuff. All right. So go on. Next book. <sighs> okay. Next book. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't really want to dive into this for this call necessarily, but um, two of the biggest books that have impacted me have been pertaining to my faith. Go for um, it, man. And that is, one of them is called Making Sense of God cool. by Tim Keller. And it basically is an argument for the existence of a higher being in an age of science. So that's really, that was really cool. And then specifically to my Christian faith, there's a book called Everybody Always by Bob, Bob Goff that I read recently that was really impactful as well because it was a kind of a breakdown of like tangible application of what people say they believe in, what it actually looks like practically in day-to-day -day life, not as like these kind of big, tenants or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do, um, I do quite a lot of that type of reading and then I'm a huge comic book nerd. And so, uh, I feel like it, I've read, what'd you say? Hit me with it. Hit me. I, yeah, you know, I think it would be so cool to, uh, to, to end out this list. I mean, I can come up with, I can go ahead and just say Over Deliver by Brian um, Kurtz is really great. Have you heard that? Have you heard of that book it. before? Yeah, I've got yeah. it. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, um, that's, that's really good, especially as a copywriter, reading it from someone that isn't a copywriter, it's super insightful as well because you get like a marketing perspective. Um, from someone that isn't, um, but I would say comic book 
growing up we had the original spider-man series and that just like wait are we i was hooked. 90s spider-man or 60s Spider-Man? no nah, like 60s so Amazing. like marvel released marvel released this um things called the marvel masterworks when i in the 2000s or whatever which was basically volumes that just had all the originals and we had them for quite a few series but there's like the there's one of the the episode the thing the episode oh my goodness the comic where spider-man his his aunt may is like dying because he had given her a transfusion and the radioactive like his blood was killing her basically and so he had to get this serum to her before and then doc ock like attacked and he gets trapped under like a battleship basically and there's just like this scene where he is like adrenaline goes kicking and he like lifts this ship or what it wasn't a ship i don't know it was like something heavier than he's able to lift and he like lifts it to go save his aunt you know and then me is like a 12 year old or whatever i'm like oh my goodness this is amazing yeah it's pretty awesome there we go so a, a very wide array but that is me as a person <laughs> i love that see i find that quite fascinating that we do love comic books the way that we do Mm -hmm. because very few people actually think about it that way like comic books are gateways of storytelling like they're a hundred percent and they do it like for me um i i I was on another podcast i was being interviewed and um it's funny because the interview the interviewer the host actually told me they texted me yesterday going i just got roasted by my own community because of you and i was like why they're like i say that i'm a comic book nerd you told me a comic book I've never even heard of and the entire community just went crazy for me not knowing about it. Because oh, the story, no. the stories around the Marquis of Death, um, okay. which is a very, very little known run of comic books for like, it was about six or seven issues. I only know yeah. about it because of Comics Explained. Uh, shout out to their channel because that dude's amazing. Rob from Comics. Okay. Um, yeah, the Marquis of Death just has this incredible like background of how he was pulled in from our regular world into the Marvel world and how he ends up becoming this being so powerful that he can literally wave his hand and destroy an entire universe and then move on to the next dimension. Wow, like, that's crazy. Like the all-out final battle takes Doctor Doom at his highest level of badassery a guy who basically the who the Marquis of Death was before he became the Marquis of Death. So his good counterpart, who is half as strong as he is, every being in the Marvel universe taking on this one dude, and only barely do they get him to the point that he's weakened. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I was like, yeah, just he whooped everyone's asses. <laughs> like it's just he's yeah. one of those dudes. Like he made. Um, he made Doctor Doom believe that a six-second space of time was a six-month window where all of his life had just basically gone perfect. He married Sue Storm. Um, Reed Richards died, like, trying to fight the Marquis of Death. The Marquis of Death was overcome by Doctor Doom. There was this huge parade and blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, wow, oh, by the way, that's no. crazy. Oh, yeah. And then to, like, kill him, he turns um, Dr. Doom's blood to acid and his heart to stone 
and then throws him into the past by 65 million years to be eaten alive by a Maglodon or something like that. It's oh, like the most goodness. insane thing ever. And no spoilers, but just go watch it. It's, it's fucking incredible. Um, and realistically, one of the things I'm going to ask you before we get to the infamous story of random shit I do to myself that is hilarious. Yeah. Because I was going to say the random shit I do to myself. I was like, because then it sounds weird. But it that's does, hilarious. Yeah. It, it's just funny shit that, I'm, that I told Brennan mm-hmm. about. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But my question to you is, confidence is a huge thing with copywriters. As you know, I've gone through my own personal bouts with it. And I'm sure everyone has, including yourself. My question to you is, what do you do to actually bring that confidence back and keep it going? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because I will be the first to admit that it's a, it is a bit of a day in and day out type of thing, you know, like some, some days, some weeks I wake up and I feel like that I'm kind of like on top of the world <laughs> as far as potential and then things don't go to plan or I get some feedback on something that I invested a lot of time in and it's just like, Oh no. So that is to be human, um, to kind of ebb and flow. And so I think the biggest, the biggest thing above all is just to recognize that we're prone to different sorts of feelings and they're not indicative necessarily of something bigger. They might just be the fact that, you know, in one way or another, we woke up on the wrong side of the bed emotionally. Um, And maybe that, and, you know, give it a day or two and maybe they'll just, you'll feel better. So that's something that I do. Sometimes I remind myself, like everybody has off days. It's just part of being human, but then realistically in a more tangible, practical way, relationships are huge. So like, Uh, how you and I are chatting to one another various times throughout the week. I have, you know, you're one of two or three people in the copywriting marketing sphere that I'm in touching base with every week. And that's like really huge because it's a space to be able to either vent or celebrate or encourage or all of the above within like three text messages. Yep. And so that's really huge. And then uh, you realistically, as you get more experience and the as you, as you see things, then that's also encouraging. Um, For instance, with the newer client that I'm working with, I'm getting the opportunity to see the back end of a business that, you know, has hundred thousand plus people on their email list. Yeah. And I've not really worked with many companies with a list that big and I'm seeing things perform at a similar level of what they're performing in a different niche with which with a much smaller list. And that's something to like that I, that's encouraging that I celebrate because that's a testament more to my abilities that I can make things happen. <laughs> across the field, you know, and that if a small, theoretically, if this smaller list was as big as this other one, like we would see similar results. Mm-hmm. And so looking for ways to like be encouraged within the work that you've done, those are kind of 
and realistically, like I just try and enjoy my life. Um, I like as we're recording this, I'm having a scotch because it's it's late for me. But I go out for coffee most days of the week. I go for walks. I I do things that I enjoy, and having a life outside of excuse me my work definitely contributes to my ability to feel encouraged. <laughs> Which is great. And I actually encourage the fact that you do that. And I actually ask more people did that because it really makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. That being said, should I tell the audience the story of the ridiculous now? Yeah, well, I have to, let me preface it by this Wait, are we that I saw today. Okay, I was going to say, are we going to tell them the story about the MacBook or the one about me going to the shop and hiding shit? Oh, I don't know. I just, well, let me tell you what I thought and then you can Go. say which was, okay. I saw a review today for an Amazon product and it was a massive, it was an air mattress or an inflatable mattress. Right. And the person ranked, one, I saw this on Facebook, somebody posted it so people might see it and it was ranked one star and it said, I ordered this when I was drunk and I thought it was a giant ice cream sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the and it looked i mean the photo looked like an ice cream sandwich <laughs> i love that that was his drunk food I that swear. was there yeah okay so i'll tell the story of the treasure hunt because it's a little okay yeah funny. that's what i think yeah and it, and thankfully just just because you guys can't see this but uh brendan's seeing it and my cat's actually on one of the wires i need to just quickly take that off so, see, no unicorn located on this thing. So, we're fine. Mm -hmm. like, I didn't order yeah. a unicorn sticker, which is okay. Because unicorns aren't my thing. I'm more of a lion type guy. So, I like cats Ooh. and dogs and anything that could potentially kill me. But we'll get to that another day. Anyway, except for snakes. Don't like those. Anyway, kind of digressing. Uh, about a couple of years ago, it's like when I first, like two years ago, it was around that time, um, I was. I was, uh, it was when I first started using marijuana as a way of actually helping me out study and focus. And since then, it's going to sound really weird. Since then, I have stopped using marijuana periodically. Mm -hmm. Never get as much done. Like, honestly, everything just feels a little bit weird. And uh, yeah, turns out my brain focuses way more than on pharmaceuticals, which is always fun. Because you're anyway. an empath, man. You got like the weight of the world yeah. on you all the time. So whenever you can release... Whenever, yeah, whenever you can let your insides not be hella stressed, magical things happen called productivity, right? And it's weird that I can do that when I'm baked. And I was like, how do you do that? I was like, I don't know. Like my friend Shiggy, like my friend Shiggy, who's like my sister, I love her to pieces. She has said this multiple times. She's like, your ability to operate technology when completely inebriated is one of the most incredible things about you. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, dude. You spend, when you're high, because I do bong rips, so like I, or vaporizers, so they get me, they get me to a good point very quickly. Um, she's like, I don't know how you do it. Like, you can be totally monged out and still be able to text. I'm like, it's fine. Weed is not hard to text on. People can do that on a day to day. But I'm a functional stoner, so I'm okay with it. Um, and I'm working on getting healthy again. So you know, I'm a functionally healthy stoner. That's where my identity's leading towards. That has all this other shit in there. Anyway. Uh, with this one, 
the thing that was really crazy was like at the same time i've messaged her when i'm on mushrooms i've messaged her as well on like like when i did acid that one time she's still like messaging me. how are you able to converse with humanity in such a way while like i was like i have no clue i have no clue yeah. i've done it on mdma i've done it on everything like so far that i've tried that is quite good for the body and well, in small quantities it can be, but I'm experimenting and looking at life with my own lens. So don't worry, this is all okay in its own right. Anyway, this is all the preface and the preamble to build up to the story. So a couple of years ago, I got really, really baked and I went down to my local uh, superstore, supermarket. So I went down there and I buy like a lot of junk food anyway. Like I'm a big kid. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard to believe that I will go to the shop and not come back with like, something that I shouldn't be eating like chips or crisps for my English friends, chips for my American (laughs) friends um, or biscuits or cookies or like chocolate, you name it. I would walk back. That that would always be in my hand. Like I'd get like a really healthy dinner and then something really unhealthy to match. It's just the way that Mm -hmm. my brain used to do things. Except for this time I went, I went there with the goal of getting some salmon and some broccoli for my dinner that night. So I'm going to have salmon, broccoli, and rice. I'm going to have real easy, good luck, like dinner. And then I walked past like a sale they had on Nutella, but it was the family size Nutella, so I decided to buy that. And then I started to buy different snacks and different like chips and chocolates and everything else in between and donuts. And like they were sealed donuts, so like they had like a good shelf life. And I remember I got home. And I don't remember this. I remember reading it days later, but then it's kind of come back to me in bits and pieces. Apparently, I signed the receipt going, Dear, dear Sober Adel, you may not know, but you deserve this right now. You're having a bit of a shit day and a shit time. We thought you could actually do with the goodness of the dinner, but also just, you know, feel good about yourself. P.S. We totally forgot to get the salmon. You might want to go back out and get it because I legitimately forgot to get the salmon. I actually went there got the salmon, got the broccoli, got the snacks, put the salmon back so I thought I could get a different one because mine felt like it had gone too warm or something and yeah. forgot to pick up a new one because I got distracted, as you do. Oh, anyway, yeah. so I get back home, whatever it is. And in my infinitely weird wisdom of, I can't remember how baked I was at the time, um, I decided to hide my snacks around my one bedroom apartment that, by the way, is less than 500 square feet. It was a less than, it was in Soho. So small apartment. And I hid these and I was hiding like, I was hiding them in really elaborate places, like behind shit, like under <laughs> other stuff. Like I put like all my sauce bottles in a way that looked like there's nothing behind them, but there was, or I'd balance like shitty sauce bottles on top of different things. that so looked like there was more than there was. It, this, this went on for like, a good hour that I hid all these items. And then I started writing post-it notes of like clues around the house to myself. I ate some of them, which is fine. And I, I, I honestly, I found the first one because I stupidly or very intelligently didn't think to leave myself a post-it note to be like, hey, we're playing a game. Go for this treasure hunt. Didn't even tell myself. <laughs> forgot it. Thought I'd remember it. And like two days later, I remember opening up the pantry drawer and seeing like a post-it note. Going, what the fuck is this? Read it and was like, ah, oh, shit. And it all came flooding back to me. I'm like, oh, God damn it. I got to go back. And I started looking around in my entire place, finding post-it notes, finding snacks intermittently by complete accident and luck. 
solving riddles because I thought I'd give myself riddles, which was even better. And to make it worse, I gave myself false riddles as well. Like, go here and you shall find the joy that you want. I'd look behind the thing. There was nothing there. Like, I just sit there in complete disappointment with myself. Like, what the yeah. fuck is my for? myself for? This went on for the space of about like a good day, day and a half until I found everything in my house. Or so I thought. I actually only found the very last thing on the day that I left my apartment, which is like a year later. Oh my goodness. It was some chocolate. I found like a bar of chocolate. It was still in date. It was still good, but it was just like hidden behind some stuff that I thought I'd never go to. And like my mom was the one that found it. She looked at me like, what the yeah. fuck is this? I was like, I think I wrote the note on it as well. You found me, motherfucker. Now enjoy this deliciousness is what was the note I wrote on top of it. <laughs> yeah. So of course my mother finds it. And she laughs her ass off because she finds it really, really funny because my mother has That's a sense hilarious. of humor. But yeah, this is the kind of shit that Brennan gets privy information of is the ridiculous shit I do to myself or I do that's humorous. Because in my mind, I think it's, uh, I like to do things like this because it's funny for me because it gives me entertainment, but it also gives me story material to tell you guys. You know, life is good. I think we've lost Brennan. I think he's like frozen or something. But we'll see in a second. I'm on pause. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. have no idea what happened there. So with that being said, I am going to say thanks again to Brian for being here. He's been an excellent uh, guest. Please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. And head on over to Brennan W. Hopkins, or Brennan Watkins, as we like to call him, um, okay. Get that. Ah, there he is. He got. He got back. Cool. You just got me right at the end of that. So, uh, any last words before we say goodbye? Oh god, damn it! He's frozen again. Damn. All right, we'll get Brennan to do his last words another time. Guys, take care. Have an amazing weekend, and we'll speak real soon. Peace.